Welcome to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast series. I'm delighted to host this podcast and share key trends and innovations for each of the 25 industries we serve. At SAP, we like to say that we speak the language of our customers, and this language is industry. We've been supporting all industries for more than 50 years now, and it's exciting to launch this podcast and discuss with industry experts the business value that they get from our solutions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Industry Insights Podcast by SAP. My name is Tom Raftery, and welcome to the show. Uh, my special guest today is Vish. Vish, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Vish Baliga. Uh, I am the CTO of SAP Fieldglass, uh, been with the company since inception, um, and looking forward to talking to Tom about some of these uh, topics that we're going to cover today. Fantastic. Vish, for people who don't know, what's SAP Fieldglass? SAP Fieldglass uh, is a product. Uh, we are classified in a segment called VMS, which stands for Vendor Management Systems. Um, nobody in the industry really likes the term, but nobody's come up with a better term. But uh, in short, what we do is we want to manage the process of uh, requisitioning to payment of non-employee labor. So anything that you can think of uh, a company uses as uh, services or uh, labor that is provided by humans um, in the form of uh, a non-employee. So HR system takes care of everything an employee does. But if you think of the other universe, which is people who come in and help the company get things done, but are not full-time employees or even part-time employees of the company, but are generally represented by a vendor, or sometimes by themselves. And they don't hold what is called a W-2 position in the US. They are not on any employee books. And so we manage the getting the work done from these individuals. And of course, it involves requisitioning, identifying the candidate, awarding him a contract, getting the work done, and then paying for that service is what Field Glass is all about. What kind of size market are we talking about? I mean, just in, in, in rough terms, what percentage of a workforce would be uh, what we call contingent workforce versus, you know, full-time employees? From even our own statistics, this is quite well validated. The industry believes that about 42% of a company's total labor force, which is employees plus non-employee, right? If you take that as 100%, 42% tends to be non-employee. But that is, in, in our in what we observe, is varies by the type of company and the industry type. We see some companies where, in fact, the number of external workers are far greater than the employees in a company. And so we've seen that. So it's a, it's a very common thing. And the measurement is still not fully accurate because many a time when this kind of uh, study is done, it is uh, done to look at the number of individuals that are bought in to do work as non-employees. But what is very often missed is that many a time work is done through a service provider, which is a vendor or a supplier to the company, and behind that vendor delivering that piece of work are many individuals that are not really known to the customer. So measuring how many people actually delivered an outcome-based uh, construction project 
may not be visible to this uh, company at all because it's the vendor that took on getting the work done and they may have used lots of people, but that doesn't get reflected in the count. So it's certainly greater than 42. Uh, don't have an exact number, but recent trends indicate that it is a growing market. There is more and more um, growth in this area and the numbers are, I'm sure, probably in the 50-50 range. And that happens more often also when you come out of a downturn in the economy and you, as you come back, we see that uh, the contingent labor or external workforce is one of the first indicators that things are turning around because work needs to get done, business need to run, but they're not yet ready to see if they want to bring in full-time employees. So we see that trend. So we are in that moment now, so it's difficult to kind of gauge, but I would say 50%. Okay, interesting. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed it was that high. That's that's impressive. Okay. Um has the last 12 18 months, you know, the impact of the pandemic, has that impacted the contingent workforce? Or how has it impacted? It obviously has. What what kind of impact has it had? Yeah, it it, it certainly has. I think it is uh, to a lot of companies it is for the first time showing that having a contingent uh, workforce, or let's use the term flex workforce, which is flexible because they can come in and uh, you don't need to keep them permanently on your payrolls for whatever duration. Having a flex workforce is uh, very, very beneficial. So it's been a great upswing for this market um, because customers realize that uh, in given our conditions that are going on now, if there is a particular country or a particular region that is heavily impacted, if that's where your employees were based, you are sort of stuck. You, you can't get anything done if those people can't go in. Having a flex workforce, if that work can be done in some other location, you may now call up another vendor who is in that other region that maybe you can get your work done from and get get things done. So the I would say the ability to leverage workers in different regions uh, in a flexible manner has been uh, it's quite uh, quite good for the external workforce. External workforce, in many situations, are already used to working remote or being away from the offices. They're not necessarily always in the customer's premises, so it's kind of a, a natural thing for them. And it's just uh, now brought more attention to this market, saying needing such a workforce can be very critical for a company. And is this, I mean, to to my mind. Well, let, let, let me take a step back. Uh, I remember being at the Web 2.0 event in Berlin, giving away my age at this point. This was back in the mid-2000s. I think it was 2006 or 2007. And JP Rangaswamy was speaking at this. And at the time, he was CTO for, I want to say, British Telecom. And he had this great uh, expression where he said his his father worked one job all his life. And JP said, well, and in my life, I've worked seven jobs. And he said, I fully expect my son to work seven jobs simultaneously. You know, so he's, he's talking about kind of an evolution of employment from full-time lifetime work through to what we're talking about here, flex working. Is it, is it that? Is it a generational thing? Yes. I, it absolutely is a generational thing. Um, even the term that is now loosely coined to represent this is called the gig economy or the gig worker. And I think that is more, I would say, generational impact, but there is also, I would say, the aging population is also leveraging the same thing. 
essentially, I would say again, going back, giving away my age, too, I'm from the era where my dad worked only one job his entire life. And I myself have probably been in about seven or eight jobs. So it's, I can understand uh, what Rangaswamy said. Um, the, the even companies are no longer looking at individuals and companies are no longer looking at what I would call in those days, uh, loyalty factor. You, you worked hard, got into a particular company and worked away your life there. And uh, that, that was the norm, right? With pensions and other things that companies did. All of that has disappeared now. So there's not many companies out there which will say, even if you work for me the entire life, that I'm going to keep you, keep growing you, keep investing in you, and then have a payout in the form of a pension. So it, it works both ways. And the individuals now coming in into this new market are, uh, as youngsters, are basically saying, uh, I just want to learn something new. I need to be able to do something quickly. I may or may not want to do that for the rest of my life. So I want to go try other things. So I need to jump. I need to go do something else. So the even the interests are different and hence the term gig. So you're thinking of it as short term things that you do, complete one, pick up some skills, move on to something new, pick up more skills, maybe leverage something you already did. But you end up uh, building up your profile, being able to do many things and Maybe after a while, then you say, which of those worked best for me? And then maybe you go deeper into it and specialize. So I see that ability that probably many of us did not have. Again, going back to our age, we didn't have that kind of thing. But here, it's very easy now to jump from position to position, company to company, do different things till you find what your calling is and what you really want to do. They have been very hard for our parents and the previous generation. But this generation is growing up on the fact that I can be remote, I have so many tools, I can learn very quickly. You don't, like in computer science, you really don't need to go get a degree in computer science before you dabble in something new. Things come out so rapidly, so it's the evolution, the pace of evolution of technology and the individual's mindset and the access to be able to learn new things fast is fostering the ability for people to jump from things place to place. Okay. And I can see how a solution like this benefits the employer in managing the workforce. Does it also work for the gig employee or the flex worker? It, it does. So if you, if you think of it, uh, and this is a problem that we are trying to solve in our solution space, which is uh, as people come in and out, flexing in, flexing out, a same individual over a period of maybe a year or two may have done several assignments for the same customer. So it is important that the customer knows that this individual has come in and done these n number of things for us and how did they perform and what did they do and do we want to stay connected with them. So ability to have a tool that says, let me stay engaged with this individual so that if next time I have something that is similar or there's something this individual did well, can I tap into them and get that thing done again from that individual? So it works on the company side to have the visibility. Now, if you take the individual, this individual is not going to be uh, at the same customer the entire year or two years, even that small example I took, sample space, right? They may have worked for customer A for a few months, then jump to customer B, then go to customer C, they might come back to A and jump across. Now, if each of those companies and the individual has done a good job, each of those companies want to stay engaged with this individual. So they may create in our tool the ability to connect with this individual. 
Now, if you think of that, this individual now has relationships to n number of customers, and you don't want them to be n discrete connections. So you want them to come to a central place to say, I can have one profile in whichever tool it is, and I should be able to talk to all, all my different customers and stay connected to them. So the tool from our perspective uh, is great because then what happens is uh, this allows this individual to have their profile and stay connected to everyone. At the same time, these multiple customers may benefit from each other's uh, connections. The customer might say, okay, I have never used this other person, but these other companies seem to have used them and they like them. Can I tap into that person, right? So it's a growing network, if you think of it, with the individual supporting multiple customers, multiple customers trying to find these individuals. That whole thing is that network that will benefit all of us, uh, right? All customers, the individuals, and therefore gets uh, the connections going really quick. So it's kind of a LinkedIn, but for getting specific work done between an individual and a customer and the customers can look in at the individuals. And is there like a, a obviously not a rating system, but is there like a, a references ability as well? It gets into the GDPR and kind of the things that you don't want because it can work both ways. It can be good, positive outcomes, everybody is happy, but somebody didn't do a good job you can't really track. So we, we try to keep it like, um, rather than um, giving a rating, we say successful completion of uh, work because we know they finished their term. They didn't exit on any negative uh, criteria. So they ended on either a positive or a neutral, which means they successfully delivered what they did. So we look at that as the way to kind of say, this person has finished n number of assignments in our ecosystem. Therefore, it's a kind of validation that work was done for X number of customers at Y times. And so that uses, that becomes the credentials for the individual. Okay. Are there any particular industries that benefit from this more than others? Uh, definitely in the high tech, high tech kind of environments where there is niche skills coming up, right? That definitely is a big trend where people are, getting more and more, picking up new skills, delivering things short term. A company themselves may not need that skill long term, but for a certain project, they absolutely need it. So I think it's uh, in the high tech world for sure. In, uh, I'm sure other uh, industries also will benefit. Uh, we do see more stability in some of the, let's say, manufacturing or um, energy and extraction companies where you, ha you are a skilled tradesman. So you probably will have that uh, ability to carry forward, but you're not adding new skills as rapidly as, let's say, in the high tech in maybe web development or tech writing where you're using different tools and you need to be on top of new things. So high tech for sure, uh, but others, others will also benefit. Okay. And I mean, going forward, is this something that is going to expand across more industries or do you just see it sticking in the ones it's, it's in at the moment? Uh, no, I think it will go across more industries. Each industry will have its nuance. Uh, for example, I talked about uh, how in the high tech, the individual may go from an assignment to an assignment. In the, let's say in manufacturing or things like plant maintenance, what we also see is there is a skilled individual that has been bought in and is on the company site. They may be asked to do different things uh, during their course of their stay there. So maybe even on during the week, on Monday, they might be a welder. On Tuesday, they might be a foreman. And Wednesday, they are doing something else. Technically, in, in, in the absence of a system, 
you you have the same individual performing different duties. You don't know if they have to be paid appropriately because a welder may get a certain pay rate, but a foreman may get a different pay rate and so on, right? The ability to track an individual even on one assignment as they go through doing different jobs becomes critical. We need to know what they did, what they should get paid for because then all the pay parity laws kick in and all the other things kick in. So having a tool that supports the flexibility of what they do, what they should be paid. Right, of course. I mean, it, that didn't that didn't occur to me, but obviously for, for several industries, there are a lot of things like that. So if it's something like a truck driver, there's only a certain amount of hours they can drive per day safely and things like that. It's managing all that kind of stuff as well, all the OSHA compliance and things. Okay. Yes. Yeah, you, you have to, that is, especially as it gets into uh, situations where they're operating heavy equipment or heavy, um, let's say, mining equipment, fatigue becomes really critical to monitor. What, what, what are typical barriers to companies rolling out solutions like this? Typical barriers are, I think, you need to be a company of a reasonable size where you're using enough external workforce. I think if you're <clears throat> using, let's say, a limited number of external workforce, a system like this may be too too overbearing because this takes a lot of change management. A lot of people are impacted. Processes need to change, and you have to kind of integrate into many many different systems to be able to deliver the work from or the benefit of this. Right. So, volume of external workforce usage is a critical item, and in many cases, uh, it it also is where. Companies might say, I have a preferred vendor and we are getting work done from them. We really don't need to uh, watch out for being able to track these individuals. We hear that as a common pattern as well. But then uh, I call it the external impact that often triggers the need for a tool like ours. So uh, like unfortunate things, right? There's something where to happen where you suddenly need to know who all were at a particular plant, right? In the absence of a system, the customer really doesn't know. Maybe they know which of their employees are supposed to be on the plant or what they're doing there, but they really don't know who else from an external perspective is in there, right? So having a tool to say this plant has these individuals, um, being able to trace them, track them becomes critical. And maybe a recent example is the COVID situation, right? If you have one external workforce who is positive and ends up coming into a plant, you may technically shut down the whole plant because you you have been exposed, people have been exposed. So they need to know who's coming in, who's leaving, all of that needs traceability. So those kind of external factors when they come in is when a company starts saying, okay, I need, to, need a good way to track and know who's coming, who's leaving. It's not just my employees, but whoever else is coming in needs tracking. And that's that's when some tool like ours comes into play because they would love to know who are these other people coming in? Who, which company are they from? What role are they performing? Should they even be here? All of those questions that need to be answered. When a company needs those kind of things, that's when they say, okay, I could use a tool like this. Okay, and, and what what are the trends in this space? Where do you see this space going in the next five years, say? The, the, the big trend is if you go back, uh, maybe going back to the same conversation we had about uh, the loyalty of an individual to a company. In the past, uh, an individual may work for a supply supplier company that is staffing people at a customer. These individuals would probably work for that supplier and would probably work many, many years for that company, right? So there was a connectivity. 
now with the uh, with the evolution of this uh, gig workers what is happening is a space called the freelance management solutions is coming up where these are like think of them as portals where people can register they are they're kind of uh, validated and they are known individuals and these uh, these portals allow a customer to come in search think of it as uh, like how you amazon or ebay for shopping for something you can come into this portal and say here's the skill I want, here's, and here's the location I want, here's the duration I want, and the system can match and say, here's the individual that we can provide at this rate, right? So more and more of those are coming up, and they're coming up across uh, geographically in one way. Each geography comes up with something that is special in that region, and they're also coming up by the industry vertical. What skill, what labor type does this person, what's the skill this individual has? So IT might be a specialization, tech writers might be another one, Web designers could be another one. So these little portals are coming up everywhere, and this is, to us, this becomes like a source. So the way the system wants to think of it as, if I am a requisitioning manager, I need something done. In the past, I would go to my preferred vendors and say, here's what I want, and they would give it them to me, right? Now that is breaking apart slowly, and instead of going to a vendor, you are now broadcasting to a set of things, including these gig freelance management solutions and your traditional suppliers to say, I have this work done, who can who can do this, right? And you get the, get the responses back, and then you as a manager can pick which one you want. It could be from your traditional vendor, it could be from a freelance management solution, it could be an independent contractor that has applied. So any of these channels uh, will evolve. So what I see is more and more channels come up where you can get your source of uh, individuals from. And for us, this becomes the ability to treat that channel as a distribution strategy. A company might say, in this, this is the order I want to go looking for things. I want to look for my internal pool or my employee base. If I can find it, I don't need to bring anybody on. If I can't find an individual, I'll go to my preferred vendors. If I can't find there, then I'll go to a freelancer solution. If I can't go there, then I'll go to a public job board. So opening up the distribution strategy to find this resource is where our tools need to evolve to and to be able to support all these different uh, combinations of sources that need to come in. So that that is a growing space. Interesting, interesting. We're coming towards the end of the podcast now, Vish. Is there any question that I have not asked that you wish I had or any aspect of this we've not covered off that you think it's important for people to consider? One one thing that uh, I, I touched on it briefly, but I think people should be aware of what is happening is uh, if you think of an individual's journey, an individual may start off as an employee of a company, may quit, go come, be, come back in as a contract worker, may do an assignment, then go back and work for a big uh, SI and come back through the SI into the same company. So the traceability of this individual across all the touch points in the company is critical because you want to stay connected to these individuals. You want to know what they did. You want to know how they did. Right? So all of that becomes important. Where there's a break today is on the contingent side, there's a deep connection. When you outsource something to like an SI to get something done, the ability to look at who was the individual behind that SI, SI is maybe a big supplier, right? Behind them, who is the individual that actually delivered the work is not, uh, that much attention is not being paid to it. You know you got something done by Accenture or ENY, but you don't know who actually delivered the work behind it. Requiring that traceability from who is the person delivering that work is, I think, something that companies should 
continue to look at because I think that is where the value starts coming in to say, I have this individual has touched us in many different ways. And if they're hands length behind a supplier, knowing who it was becomes very powerful for a company when they want to look at a holistic picture of where this individual's journey in the system has been. And this can be both for compliance and for maybe IP and maybe for knowledge or for future reference. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Vish, if people want to know more about yourself or about Field Glass or about Flex Workers or any of the, any of the topics we touched on today, where would you have me direct them? Uh, I, I guess I would probably say my LinkedIn profile and then feel free to connect with me or send me a question. I guess my email is known if somebody has a need. Fair enough. Fair enough. Super. Vish, that's been great. Thanks a million for coming on the podcast today. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast. If you want to explore our industry portfolio to find the solutions you need to run your business better, faster, and simpler, please visit us at sap.com slash industries.